What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Steel Curtain Network. Welcome back to The Hangover. I'm Daniel with Shannon. Shannon, how, how you doing, man? I'm doing wonderful. I, I'm just, uh, uh, I'm excited about a lot of things. Big news breaking right now. Yeah. And excited about your big news. Uh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. And, and for those that didn't know, um, we have a new Steelers fan among Steelers Nation. Uh, just the other day on the 11th, uh, my daughter was born at six pounds, six ounces, 20 inches long, and was draped in a terrible towel the uh, day she was born. And so, you know, got to start them early. You know what I'm saying? Raise them so, right. Uh, <laughs> raising them right. Raising them right. And so uh, I want to say thank you to everybody who's congratulated me and my wife. She's in the live chat. She's a Steelers fan. Um, she'll be excited about the next news as well. <laughs> um, currently breaking, uh, per Andrew Filipponi, is uh, Mason Rudolph is going to be re-signing with the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's kind of uh, a little. I wasn't expecting that. What are you? What are your knee-jerk reactions to the possibility of Mason Rudolph signing with the Pittsburgh Steelers again? I was wanting the Steelers to sign or draft a rookie. You know, in, in the, one of those seventh round selections. But guys that I was interested in, like Stetson Bennett from Georgia, he went in the fourth round. So he went quite a bit earlier than what I was projecting. So I, it makes total sense. The, with the new rules that I think are going to be imposed this year, because of what happened to the 49ers in the NFC Championship game last year, where they had two quarterbacks injured, and they had to finish the game with Brock Purdy playing with one arm. He couldn't throw the ball. All he could do was hand it off. Right. And that, that just made a non-competitive sports environment. You don't want that in your NFC championship game. You don't want it in a regular season. So with the rule that you can have an emergency quarterback, a number three quarterback who only plays if the first two guys are injured, that rule is fair. And it would create more balance across the NFL. And in that case, Mason Rudolph makes perfect sense to be the quarterback three. I don't want him starting, and I don't <laughs> want him number quarterback two. But for quarterback three, you have a guy that can come in with experience, knows the playbook, that, and that's the perfect opportunity for Rudolph and the Steelers because, like I said, there's nobody out there that wants Mason Rudolph. They are not going to pay that dude to be quarterback two even. So the fact that he could stay with Pittsburgh, hold the clipboard most weeks, but be that emergency three quarterback is the perfect environment for him to continue his NFL career and help the Steelers as well. So it makes total sense if it does happen officially. Right. I'm in the same boat as you. I think this also gives the Pittsburgh Steelers an option. You know, if um, Mason Rudolph does show that he can be a number two, maybe perhaps um, – Mr. Bisky's high, you know, salary for a number two guy. Yeah, you, know, you know, you're not too afraid to lose him or trade him if somebody goes down elsewhere and gets some value back out of them. You know, I, I think that that could be a high possibility. You know, if you bring in a Mason, you keep one of these guys that uh, they brought in from training camp, uh, rookie training camp, uh, the invites and the uh, undrafted uh, free agent. Do you think he gets number two back, or is that going to stay with the? Uh, that one current rookie, undrafted rookie quarterback. Um, no, like I said, I don't want Rudolph as the quarterback too. Right. The thing about Rudolph is I think he 
people, some people say he did not get an opportunity to really show what he can do. I think he did. I think that what he is and what he showed, that is what he is. I don't think there's any more there. And right. he could be a guy that could come in and give you, keep you in competitive in a game. And right. then you can figure out what you're going to do the next week if if your top two guys are injured. Mitch Trubisky, yes, he will count. I think it's about $8 million against the cap or whatever. But yeah. for a solid backup with experience, I trust him more to come in if you had to have somebody for two or three games than I do right. to have Rudolph. I'm, You know, the, the guys they're bringing to camp are these rookie guys, uh, Howard Johnson and, and – um, Oh crap! Uh, I can't think of the, the Tanner Morgan, Morgan. Tanner Morgan, yeah, yeah. And then they got the the one quarterback that was with the Rams, right? Uh, Perkins, I think, is his name. Yeah, he was at rookie camp. All of them are camp arms, in my opinion. Right. Rudolph is more than a camp arm, even though I don't think he's a full time NFL starter. I believe he could develop into a quarterback too, in the right situation. I don't think he's there yet, and I don't want to find out with the Steelers. But <laughs> definitely an upgrade over any of those three guys they brought to rookie camp. No, I agree one hundred percent when you when you go when you say it like that. Though. Yeah, he's definitely going to be the upgrade. Um, you know, I'm excited to see him play in um, in preseason. Uh, it'll be uh, it'll be mm-hmm. interesting to see him back, especially a guy that stated you know that perhaps. He wasn't uh, too pleased with the uh, the front nope. staff or whatnot. So, <laughs> you know, for him to come back or be resigning, that just kind of leads to, you know, leads you to believe what kind of market he had. Uh, in other news, I want to get your opinion on former Steelers running back, Le'Veon Bell, put it out there that he's possibly going to be fighting uh, or wants to fight perfect, former Cincinnati Bengals um, hated linebacker. Would you, would you pay to watch that fight, <laughs> Shannon? No, I, I would not pay to watch Le'Veon Bell fight anybody. <laughs> but I do understand him wanting to fight Burfitt because Burfitt yeah. was a dirty player, and I believe I agree with him. He hurt him twice mm-hmm. on purpose. You would watch him tackle guys, and he would slide his body around and go and slide down, trying to fall on the back of their legs. He yeah. he really he did that multiple times to not just Bell. So I mean, he tried to hurt people. I hope I totally believe that. One of my favorite plays ever is when Juju knocked him out, <laughs> laid him out on the field. That was what I will always love Juju Smith Schuster for that hit. But right. I could totally understand Bell wanting to fight him. And when you're talking about these celebrities and ex athletes doing these boxing matches, that is one that would get people to tune in because all Steeler fans would like to watch Bell knock him out. And Bell is not a bad boxer, and I think he would knock him out. And I would like to see it, but I won't pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm probably in the same boat. I would like to see it. I don't think I'd pay for it either. I, uh, you know, give me a reason to bring out my Le'Veon Bell jersey from a while ago. Shoot, they signed. Re, you know, Mason Rudolph got re-signed. I have, <laughs> I have my wife bought me his jersey back in 2019, so right. I might get some use out of that this preseason. <laughs> and you know, I could get some use out of my Le'Veon Bell jersey. <laughs> you know, get them out of the closet. Uh, I think it's gonna. I would like to see you know just because of the you know the history behind the two players and the two teams that they represent yeah. for the yeah. most part of their career. Um, it would be something to watch. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I was surprised he was going to beat Adrian Peterson and he knocked him out. And so who yeah. knows, yeah. you know, maybe this, maybe he does have a career after football in the ring after all. 
Um, but back to Steeler news. There is a uh, the Steelers will be hosting a player tonight. Uh, let me find that right here. Quan Alexander, you know, he's a uh, former Pro Bowl linebacker. He's kind of a journeyman, played with some a uh, couple of different teams, most recently with the New York Jets. Um, what does that tell you about the confidence in the, you know, I guess with the current players in the middle linebacker position? Do you think if this guy is signed, he's going to be taking one of the starting roles or is he going to be uh, the third guy in rotation? What are your thoughts if he does end up being signed with the team, Shannon? Yeah, I was kind of interested when I read that earlier today. Mm-hmm. because I don't think it has anything to do with the confidence they have on the the three guys they already have on the depth chart. Right. We know that Cole Holcomb is going to be a starter, and Landon Roberts is – he's a really good depth piece, but you really don't want him starting, mm-hmm. uh, in my opinion, he because he does have some limitations in coverage. In a perfect world, Mark Robertson – would take that other starting position next to Holcomb. But again, he's so raw. We don't know if he could not be such a huge liability of coverage that he could actually start. Right. So bringing in a guy like Quan Alexander makes sense because he does have plenty of experience. He, he runs around a four five five. He did when he was drafted. He's probably a little step slower now, but he has the speed and the mobility to be a Mac and play off of, you know, because Holcomb can play either Mac or Buck, in my opinion. He runs, he has good speed, but he's physical. So he can kind of be that hybrid guy that every team is looking for right now. And I think the Steelers consider him a hybrid that way. Mark Robertson runs around a 4-6, and he's got very good mobility and traffic, and he's got very good contact balance from his time as a running back before he switched over. So I can see him also being a hybrid type if he can improve his recognition skills and his instincts playing the position, which will help him in coverage. I don't know if there's – there might be better options out there right now in free agency, but to me, they're bringing in Alexander to be that number four mm-hmm. in the rotation. So if you can sign him at a very reasonable price – then and bring him in to and see what he can do in camp, you're really not risking much. Right. Yeah, and I agree. And I think at this point of the season, at this point where, you know, uh, a lot of these, you know, players have gotten their their contracts, you know, what's left is usually uh, some, what you would call a bargain, so to speak. Yeah. yeah. Uh, in fact, we got a little breaking news. It just kind of, oh, yeah, it's the Mason Rudolph news that we already <laughs> talked about. <laughs> yeah, my phone uh, was going off, too. <laughs> yeah, 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 I saw it. It said breaking news. I was like, oh, wow, something's happening right now. It, it's Mason Rudolph signing. <laughs> Man, that's crazy. So, yeah, when it comes to um, the middle linebacker position, you know, I felt that there was, you know, still big big of a hole or a bit of a hole there, you know, like you were mentioning about uh, <clears throat> uh, about the linebacker. Wow, oh, man, his name is slipping my head right now. Uh, the 93, the one that's already on the team. Oh, Mark Robinson. Mark Robinson, yes. I'm sorry about that. You know, he was a player that was extremely raw, and you were right. Play recognition was what was probably what he had lacked. He looked pretty good this first game that he played in, but that was a little bit of a surprise. You know, the Steelers didn't announce that he was going to be the starter. Uh, and, you know, he ended up playing the following week. Uh, the team was ready for him, and it kind of made him not look bad, so to speak, but he, he looked raw out there. 
yeah. you know, especially when it came to pass coverage and, and things of that nature as well. So, you know, he was a guy that the Pittsburgh Steelers, in my opinion, thought were going to was going to be a guy that needed to develop. And I think it's going to that development was more than one year. And so if they end up, you know, signing this guy, I think it's a good move for the Steelers. Um, I mean, I think it would be a, uh, you know, somebody there that could bring in some leadership and some veteranship to the room and maybe assist Mark Robinson in that, you know, next step up. So I'm excited about it. But to kind of get to, I guess, well, the start of today's show, you know, we're talking about what we've learned from minicamp. Uh, what did you think about the, you know, or what did this tell you that the Steelers brought in 35 tryout players? By far more than most teams, especially in the division. Uh, you know, I know they had a few players or a few uh, positions that needed to be uh, filled still. Um, what do you think about this tactic that they used? Well, it's funny. Like you said, there was, I think, 51 players right. at this rookie minicamp. You know, and then you had their seven draft picks, and then you had uh, seven uh, undrafted free agents signed right after the draft. And then the rest of these guys were invites. And yeah. some of them really showed some potential as guys that, you know, you thought might have been drafted. Right. Uh, some of them were guys that had potential kind of come in the league in the wrong situation. It didn't work out. And then they're out of the league. You know, a lot of guys from the XFL, the Steelers are looking at. I think that's hey, that's only doing your due diligence. No stone left un, unturned. You know, just you you find a diamond in the rough that way, and the Steelers are really good at that. Mm-hmm. And you know that that helps you so much on your salary cap. It helps you uh, with your draft capital because you're finding guys that other teams might have give up on too soon, or they wasn't a, the right fit where they were originally were drafted or signed. One guy that I missed, uh, and I was very disappointed, was Hakeem Butler that we had talked about. Right. Because I thought, you know, I heard he got an invite, and I know that he can't sign until a certain time after the season, the XFL season ended last Sunday. But I thought he would at least be able to come to the mini camp. But then I seen that the guy they signed today from the XFL, mm-hmm. guy's name Luke Baku or something like that. He's right. a cornerback uh, that played at San Antonio in the XFL. Yeah. He, you know, he wasn't able to be signed till today. And so I'm thinking, well, maybe that's what the holdup is with the King Butler, because I really thought Butler would be a good fit with what the Stewards are trying to do this year because of his size. And he plays almost like a wide receiver slash move tight end. And that would just give him another option there. Uh, to knock a guy like, let's say, Gunnar Olszewski or or Anthony Miller, somebody like that off the roster. So, right. but uh, yeah, it seemed like that the all the rookies at camp were as advertised. Mm-hmm. You know, every year you'll have somebody say, well, this guy seems smaller than normal or this guy, you know, he didn't, he didn't really stand out. But everybody, it was all positive. What I heard. Yeah, I agree with you. And it was Luke Barco, the XFL cornerback yeah. uh, that the Pittsburgh Steelers would be signing. Um, you know, it kind of looks like they're still kind of looking for that slot cornerback. 
my opinion. Uh, I'm not sure about Luke if he's if that's what his you know specialty is. I'm gonna look that up here in a second. But um, yeah, I thought that you know them bringing in so many players in from uh, for tryouts was a way, like you mentioned, to massage the salary cap a little bit by having players that you know you probably aren't going to end up on your 53 maybe practice squad something to that nature and if something and something good does end up coming out of it uh then you just stroke gold so to speak right and so you know i felt that they um they really gave an opportunity for these players to have a tryout you know they had a lot of positions open that they could have filled going into training camp and i think Mm -hmm. they use that as perhaps uh, you know, bait to get some of these players to come in saying, hey, we have these positions available on the 90-man roster. Um, come out here, show what you got, and earn one of these positions versus, you know, some of these guys that get invited in here are, are at the understanding that there's already, you know, those positions filled that they're going to be, uh, you know, behind the eight ball, so to speak, for a little bit. So I thought it was a pretty good tactic for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um you know, they brought in a lot of different players, a lot of different quarterbacks. Uh, I think they were looking for that, you know, quarterback four slash three behind Kenny Pickett and Mr. Trubisky. It looks like they found it in Mason Rudolph. Mm-hmm. Uh, I still think that one of these guys will end up being on the practice squad, uh, even if Mason does make the team and end up going into the season with Mason, Kenny, and Mitch again. Uh, but if they do that quarterback three that I'm talking about, yeah, that they discussed at the owners' meeting. Then your quarterback three would he wouldn't he would be dressed, but he would not be active. Right, but he would be there in case the first two guys get hurt. So then you could still have a quarterback on the practice squad. So these guys they're bringing in, uh, if for that mini the rookie mini camp, they were really competing for that quarterback four. Now that we know that the stores are going to resign Rudolph. Right, 100%, 100%. Now, I saw a couple of videos out there, heard a couple of interviews from some of the new guys, some of the rookies on the on the team. Which which Did you catch any of those interviews by any of the new uh, draft picks? That were, that yes, uh, I seen when they talked to Broderick Jones, uh, when they talked to uh, Nick Herbig, he's, he's going to fit right in in Pittsburgh because <laughs> he, he just, he's a lot like his brother. You could tell he loves the game. He can't wait to get out there and hit somebody. And uh, all these guys, also uh, uh, Darnell Washington, you know, they're talking to him and all these guys seem humble. They seem excited about getting an opportunity. They're, they just seem to have more maturity uh, to me than a lot of the rookies that the stewards have typically brought in. Uh, I think part of it is they've all played for top programs. Right. And they've been exposed to the game at the highest level in collegiately. So I think coming to Pittsburgh, and even though it's always a step up, I don't think it's as big as it is for the guys from the smaller schools. So they don't look quite as uh, 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 starry-eyed, you know, right. kind of a little bit in shock that first yeah. day. So, uh, yeah, I've been, I was very impressed with uh, the interviews that I, I did here. Yeah, myself as well. I was going to go into that ask you which one you were most impressed with. But, yeah, all these guys seem to be so very humble, like you mentioned. They're ready to go, ready to work. Um, you know, I was watching some of the tape that's out there from them, and one thing that I've noticed is that with Broderick Jones, he's got some quick feet. 
you know, yeah. when he's sho shoveling out of his stance, it's it pops off the screen. And, you know, I'm excited about him. He mentioned that, you know, up to this point, which hasn't been practice or anything like that, mainly walkthroughs and teaching and learning. But when he they have lined up that he's been lining up at that left tackle position. So it, it seems like that, you know, that's going to be the area in which they're going to try him at initially. Um, how confident are you him at being in the left tackle position at this point? If he is as advertised, which I think he is, right? he is easily the best left tackle on the team already. Yeah. Uh, again, he went up against guys at practice every day at Georgia <laughs> that true. are NFL caliber guys. Broderick Jones was a tight end that just outgrew the position in high school. He just, he's, like you said, when you watch him move his feet, he moves like a skill position player. He is very light on his feet. He oozes athleticism. The only mm -hmm. two real left tackle prospects in this class were Paris Johnson Jr. and Broderick Jones. And Paris Johnson Jr. is not the athlete that Broderick Jones is. Paris Johnson Jr. is more experienced and has better fundamentals, but that'll come. Right. Uh, my, you know, Pat Meyer will work with him and, and bring the, that out of him and help him reach his full potential. But the Steelers, that was just a no-brainer. I mean, I think they got a steal. Uh, and the fact that they got him with only having to give up that fourth rounder, which they later basically recouped, and use the, you know, so uh, to get Nate Herbig, I mean, right. Nick Herbig, I'm going to do that a lot this year. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I just, um, to me, I loved his answer when they talked about the first three guys he'd have to face. Mm -hmm. If he does, if he is the starter to begin the season, you didn't see any fear in his eyes. Again, he knows what he already went up against in college. Right. And he knows that he believes in himself that he's capable of doing it. And I mean, I have nothing against Dan Moore, and I and I'm not giving up on Dan Moore uh, being a you know I think he was a solid player, but a lot of it was who he had next to him, which right. we know Broderick Jones is going to have Samalu, who's an All Pro level left guard starting next to him, and that's going to make his job that much easier. So wow. I, I, I could just I really see Broderick Jones starting the year at left tackle. I do too. I do too. And I think they're, they're putting him in that position now and getting him prepared for that now versus trying to, you know, maneuver him around on the offensive line. I think that would only, in my opinion, when you do something like that, you limit the ceiling, so to speak of their capabilities uh, because you're moving them around and having them learn so many different positions by you know, having him in the left tackle position and, and working on his hand placement and his footwork uh, on that aspect of it um, so that he can build that mu muscle memory. I think it's a perfect timing for it. And I think that that's going to end up being the direction that they're going to go with, um, you know, and I think that they're going to give Dan more the opportunity to, to maintain his, his, you know, starting role there. I just, you know, when you watch uh, Broderick move, it's, it's another level. It's like, it's very, to me, it sounds like, and it seems like when, you know, people would talk about how they saw Najee Harris for the first time in, you know, rookie mini camp and, mm -hmm. and in training camp that he's just moves differently. He, he, his explosiveness is different. I feel that that's kind of the same thing when it comes to a Broderick Jones, 
But um, we're going to take a real quick uh, five-second break for those on the YouTube side. We're not Don't go anywhere. But those on the audio side, I'll catch you on the other side after a word of our sponsors. And we're back. Thank you for <laughs> staying on and, and check and listening uh, to our sponsors there. Um, before we get started on the second half, Jen, do you have anything working up or I have an article coming out for your Still Curtain Network slash Behind the Still Curtain? I'm actually working on something. I don't know if it's going to be a two-part thing uh, about DeMarvin Leal and Keanu Benton mm-hmm. and the fact that the Steelers in the last two years have tried to invest in this defensive line that was aging and then, of course, the Tewitt situation. So, but DeMarvin Leal is going to be very critical this year for the Steelers' defensive line and the edge position. And if he takes that natural step in his progression, then I think he can be the difference in the Steelers' defense uh, being good versus exceptional. So that's the next thing I got coming that way. But I did want to mention, before I forget, did you see that the Steelers signed the running back slash kick returner, Alfonso Graham? I did see that. I, I think it's Morgan State. Was that the name of the school? I think you're correct. I, I, think I don't know what's up in my head, but yeah, I saw that. But, you know, I've been like, who's going to take over these kick return duties? And so I think Cal, in a perfect world, Calvin Austin the third will do it. Right. Uh, we know he can do kick raw, kick returns. Now, can he do punt returns? He has done some while he was at Memphis. But they also signed uh, Bird out of San Diego State as an undrafted free agent. And there's people talking about him being a kick return specialist. But he really doesn't offer much as a position player. Right. And so this Graham kid watches some highlights. He seems like he has really good vision. Could maybe be that, you know, running back four, maybe come in on some passing downs as a receiving threat. And also he showed the ability to be a really good kick returner in college. So that's just more competition that nobody's really talking about and an area of need for the Steelers. Right. And he's pretty explosive as well. And so you, you said that you running back four. Do you see master Teague being that number three running back? I think they would like that to happen. Uh-huh. Teague is very powerful and he was very highly regarded coming out of high school. And I think just as far as the pure talent, it's there. He's just never been able to put it together. For various reasons. Somebody else ahead of him on the depth chart. Injuries. But it's the kind of guy that, which you find running backs like this all the time. Off Mm. the street. You know, it just didn't pan out wherever they were at. And then they explode. Uh, Fast Willie Parker. Steelers have history here. With guys like that. And Master T could be a guy that could come in. I mean, the top two spots are solidified. But he could be that guy that short yardage specialist, um, you know, something that not everybody's dressing, obviously. Um, right. But the only thing that concerns me about Teague is he's not really a special teams guy. And whoever running back three or four is needs to contribute on special teams. 
100 percent you know that's you know tackling has got to be a uh you know something in the repertoire of that running back three because they're going to yep. be having to do it when they're out there in special <laughs> teams and so um yeah you know i i agree with you and i thought that you know his signing there also as a possible as a punt return it just kind of shows that the steelers are probably going to move away from gunner or at least trying to move away from gunner olszewski um yeah, in my opinion, I'm not gonna lie. He was a little bit of a disappointment last season. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he, he lost the the game in New England, in my opinion. And you know, it was even when he was able to corral the football, it's he didn't do anything explosive with it. Uh, I know a lot of folks are looking at and thinking maybe CA three, uh, Calvin Austin the third being the guy that's back there. I I, I thought it was somewhat surprising, uh, maybe perhaps that. He wasn't allowed to be at rookie minicamp. I think he would have been a guy that would have benefited from that, being the fact that he really didn't participate a lot last season. Uh, I'm not sure what the rules are behind that, but uh, I know that there was other players that weren't necessarily rookies, you know, maybe perhaps playing the position for the first time. I think there was a former tight end of the Ravens who was in our uh, in the Steelers rookie minicamp as a long snapper, um, and he'd been in the NFL for a while and whatnot. And so, I'm not sure what those rules are, but I'm looking forward to seeing what he's able to bring. Uh, mm-hmm. Calvin Austin, the third, that is. Um, also, before we go into further, I want to remind everybody, if you're not checking out the audio only side on Steel Curtain Network, what are you doing? You got to go check it out. Yep. I have a podcast that comes out Saturday called Stay of the Steelers. It's uh, every Saturday. Audio only. Go check that out and you can catch a lot of a lot of the other guys that come out here on on the YouTube on the audio side that you don't get to hear. Uh, but back to the, uh, the, the, the information here, the, the show, another person that I saw at rookie mini camp that I was <laughs> pretty impressed with, and it was more about the guy just looks massive and that's Darnell Mount Washington. Mm-hmm. He looked freaking huge amongst everybody that he was out there with. I'm excited about him. I can't wait to see him in pads and see what he's able to do. Uh, did you get a chance to watch any of the clips that he had? Yeah, and there's something just different about him. I know on the he's like an inch shorter than Gentry, and they're way he's just a few pounds heavier. But if you look at them, they're they're just a different breed of animal. I mean, we know Gentry went to college as a quarterback, a six eight right. quarterback, which you know that usually don't work out. So he ends up switching to tight end. But he's he kind of plays like a former quarterback in mm-hmm. that, you know, he's a solid blocker, but he's not really that athletic. He doesn't offer you nothing after the catch, really. You watch Darnell Washington just in them drills and everything, and he's kind of got the size of a defensive – I mean, an offensive tackle, <laughs> but he moves like a wide receiver. He, he was just – it was just – you don't see that type of athleticism at that size very often unless it's on an NBA court. Right. And uh, they said he was a heck of a basketball player. Same thing with Broderick Jones. Mm-hmm. So, again, you're getting guys that their footwork is such because they were multi-sports athletes. Uh, ben Roethlisberger, so many of these guys played three and four sports. And it helped them develop their footwork and wrestling helps you with your leverage. And 
there's so many things that you hear all these athletes now are saying, I played everything, you know, play whatever's in season. And you might not be great at it, but you'll learn a lot. And uh, Washington's that way. I mean, you can just tell uh, with the basketball background and everything, the way he moves is just so unique for his size. Yeah, 100%. You know, very fluid, very athletic, uh, looks different, but – you know, you're right as far as as Zach Gentry goes. I didn't, I forgot that he was a six foot eight, uh, you know, a six foot eight to begin with. I knew he was a taller guy, uh, but when you have those two guys out there in a big set, Pat Fryermuth, man, that's going to be a force. I think Najee Harris is going to be a very happy man for uh, the longevity of this season because uh, these guys are going to be big, and you know they can get in the right spot and start moving and pushing. Uh, the defense, you know, and the Steelers can take control with the ball uh, by running the ball. Mm-hmm. We're going to, the Steelers are going to do some damage. Uh, what side of the line do you think is going to be the strength of this offense, the right or the left? I'm leaning towards the left side, which has uh, not been what it's, you know, the strength of this line for a while. Yeah, the left side's been the weakness. Yeah. But not anymore. As soon as they picked up Samalu, then we were all praying they could get a left tackle. And then mm-hmm. to get Broderick Jones, who might have the highest ceiling of any of the tackles, right. just based on his incredible athleticism, his experience playing for a two-time national championship team, and his coach had come out, Kirby Smart, and talk about he's very coachable. He 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 really wants to learn. And if you put those two things together, work ethic and talent. You you got you can have a star in your hands, so yeah. To, I agree with you. If it might take a little bit of time for Jones to get there, but the left side of the line is you know you know I love James Daniels. I'm a huge yeah. James Daniels fan, but the left side of that line will be their money side once Jones, you know, finally gets his feet wet. Oh, one hundred percent. I. Th- I'm excited. I'm so excited about this season. You know, I know this team is coming in under the radar. Um, you know, a lot of te- a lot of you know the talking heads in the uh, mainstream media are saying that the Pittsburgh Steelers, you know, are are not even going to make the playoffs or be a contender in any of these uh, or any way period. And I think they're going to be surprising a lot of teams. You know, I might have some black and gold go- goggles on, but I mean, I don't care. I think the Steelers are going to be good this year. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, yeah, what, I'm, and I'm not ashamed. One hundred percent, one hundred percent. So, with all these uh, new acquisition acquisitions and new players that have been signed and re-signed, where do you think is the biggest hole remaining on the on this team? Uh, that's interesting. They, in ways, at times, I think well, it's receiver, but then again, I think they're going to run a lot of twelve package. You know, they're, there's got, but they're not going to have as many receivers on the field at any one time. So that leaves me to think, looking at, you know, everything honestly, and I know a lot of people disagree with this, but I still say strong safety because Mika Fitzpatrick is an elite ball hockey free safety. You want to let him roam. You want to give him freedom to make those plays. It's an instinctual thing. There's sometimes he breaks off his main responsibility to get these interceptions and make these big plays. 
Troy Palomalo had that at strong safety. You know, that's rare, and you want to maximize that. So you don't want to handcuff him with strong safety responsibilities. Kazee is a deep safety. He plays great. He has great range, and he's a great center fielder, and he'll come up and lay a lick on you. But he doesn't have the size to stay in the box and play a strong safety role. We know he broke his arm last year and missed a lot of the season, which really hurt the Steelers. We don't want to expose him to that kind of physicality. That leaves Kanal O'Neill. Mm-hmm. And I just, I, I think he's he can duplicate everything Edmonds did in the box, but he just is not a good cover uh, safety. He's not going to be able to match up on tight ends, and he has limited range because he has limited foot speed. So I still think the middle of the field, whether it's the limitations of the off-ball linebackers in coverage or the limitations of Neil in coverage is still my biggest concern on defense. Yeah, I, I see that. I see that as being a pretty good still concern. You know, for me, I, I'm going to go still with that third outside linebacker. You know, I know the Steelers ended up getting a guy like, um, you know, her big in the draft and, and you, know, you have Q, uh, Quincy Roche, uh, you know, guy that the Steelers drafted a couple of years ago, but hasn't really made a, a name for himself yet. Uh, you know, I, I still see that those two guys could be a major drop off when it comes to replacing TJ Watt or, or Alex Highsmith for one of the plays that they need off, whether it be for a breather or, or something else. And so, you know, there's been some rumblings going on about Kyle Van Noy. I think if he ends up end up being a guy that lands on the Pittsburgh Steelers, I think I would feel a lot more comfortable with that mm-hmm. with that room. Um, he is a former teammate of Brendan Fioco, uh, while they were both a member of the uh, Los Angeles Chargers. And there was some uh, tweets that went about. Apparently, uh, Kyle Van Noy. Uh, tweeted at Brandon Fajoko, uh, uh some eyeballs. Yeah. And uh, Brandon ended up retweeting something like texts were answered today indeed. Hashtag Mambo mentality. So there's been a lot of rumors and talk and, you know, everybody else looking into these things. Is it bigger than what it is? Is it possible that he's going to be a stealer? If he does, what do you think he does to that outside linebacker room? Oh, just a quality veteran. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when they brought in um, Ingram, Melvin right. Ingram, I was excited because I knew his capabilities, but did not realize. I thought for sure that they would have had the conversation with him. You are edge three. It's going to be TJ. It's going to be Alex Highsmith. You're that. You're going to play on both sides. You're going to give them uh, some relief there. You're going to come in and rush the passer. The guys had, you know, he had all them injuries prior. That was good for his longevity. And be there for a one-year prove-it deal. And then he caused problems and drama, and they had to trade him. Right. So if you bring in a guy like Van Noy, this guy's accomplished. He's won Super Bowls. He's been, he's worked for some of the best coaches out there. He knows many different schemes. Nothing that the Steelers run is going to surprise him. It'll be an easy transition. For a young guy like Nick Herbig, again, 
JJ and Alex is going to be honing their craft and putting in the work. They're going to be able to mentor Herbig some, but you bring in a guy like Van Noy, he'll have far more time to right. work with a guy like Herbig who has potential, whether it's an off ball or, you know, edge, we don't know yet. Cause I think he's capable of doing both. So, you know, we'll see, but yeah, Van Noy would be a quality signing. Uh, and, the Steelers, they're they're making sure that they are finding themselves with plenty of depth, something that they did not do in the past for various reasons, Cal- salary cap restrictions and everything. But this year, Khan and Waddle have really focused on their depth, and that would be a smart signing in my opinion. I agree. I think it would be a smart signing. I think it wouldn't uh, it wouldn't cost a lot. I think he was only on the hook for like a little bit over two million last season, mm-hmm. and so you know I would see him somewhere around that price range as well. And so you're not breaking the bank for a quality player that is going to bring you some quality experience. You know he still had you know at least five sacks last season. Um, you know he's been consistent. He's a guy that you know I think will not have as big of a drop off when a T.J. Water and Alex Highsmith have to step off the field for a breather or otherwise. So, you know, and, and I, I think – I hope it happens. Who knows? We'll see. Hasn't he had at least five sacks for like five years in a row? Yeah, yeah. I well, mean, he super, super consistent. You know? Yeah, yeah, 100%. And that's that's better than what, you know, any of our you know outside linebacker threes yeah. have gotten in a, in a while. So, yep. you yep. know, if you can get four or five sacks out of a guy throughout the season who is your outside linebacker three while you have – you know, two healthy outside linebacker one and twos, uh, that's that's production. That's good work, and that yeah. leads you to possibly, you know, back where you belong as far as the sack leader in the NFL, uh, as far as the team go defensively. And so, Also, don't forget, DeMarvin Leal was a very solid – he set a really good edge last year. Yeah. And you've seen the pass rush potential. But right. then he got hurt, and, you know, and he missed some time, and that kind of stunted his growth. But if he is what I think he is, and they're going to use him like I think they're going to, you got to factor him being able to take some snaps there too. Heaven forbid that TJ or Alex gets hurt. Right. For sure. For sure. Um, Miles Jack, I, I'm seeing in the live chat, somebody says Miles Jack is still unsigned, and you know the Steelers are considering K1. Do you think that K1 would be an upgrade over a Miles Jack, or would you prefer a Miles Jack on the team? They're both very similar as they both have a lot of injury issues. Mm-hmm. It's just that Jack's for two years in a row, I feel like his play is deteriorated due to the fact that he is perpetually injured right. and it's stolen a step from him. I mean, in one time he was really a top player, but it, it, it's just not there anymore. Yeah. I, I trust the athleticism that Alexander has left more than I do Jack's. Right, but um, it would depend on price and and all that stuff. But uh, I have nothing against Jack. I just think that he's a little bit older than Alexander, so therefore he's a little bit more prone to injury. One hundred percent. Yeah, you're you you're right on that one. You're right on that one. Well, do you have any uh, before we let everybody go? Do you? Uh, we're getting close to that forty-five minute mark. Do you have any final final words or anything you want to add on to the show before we uh, call it a show? 
No, I just think that, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of exciting stuff, you know, in two weeks we'll have, uh, I think our first OTAs. Right. And there's just so much to be, you know, excited about right now. And we know just from what's happened today that Khan and, and Amar, I mean, uh, Khan and Waddle are really still working. Yeah. Uh, they're working the phones. They're in contact with these agents and they're, they're going to keep, you know, turning over stones. Uh I don't think they're done yet. And then hard to tell what'll happen when the cut down day, you know, starts rolling around. See, it's, I think different this year that they're not going to have three cut downs. I, I think they're going to have one. Do you like that? There's pluses and minuses. I mean, it gives the, the team more time to look at a guy, Right. but the only thing about doing it that way is some guys, you know, say they were in the first round of cuts they give them time to catch on somewhere else. Now they're not going to have that because it's all going to happen at the same time. And it's going to be a cluster. I mean, there's going to be, you know, people, you know, it's going to be like a free-for-all, kind of like after the draft when people are trying to sign all these street-free agents, right. undrafted guys. I think it's what we're going to see. It's going to be something. And uh, But I, one thing about it is I trust Con and Lytle to, to really um, – prosper and excel in that situation because right. they'll have everything their ducks in a row and you know they'll be right on the phones getting in contact with these guys so but uh i see pluses and minuses <laughs> i do too i do too I, I i you know for the players i feel that you know one you you have the ability to for instance in the last playoff game utilize those other players um that are perhaps not going to make the team or, or trying to make the team versus utilizing your veterans and having an injury occur. But you're right. You know, it's a uh, bit of a cluster once it all gets cut at the same time. And you have players that now are getting possibly picked up by other teams, having a very small limited amount of time to catch up with what they're doing and the playbook. And so it, it does, you know, positive in mind is um, we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. Uh, as for me, guys, um, I'm a season uh, shameless plug. I'm a season ticket holder for the Steelers. If you guys are interested in purchasing some tickets, hit me up on Twitter. State of Steelers is my handle. Um, section 122 is the same section as Dave. Um, so let me know if you guys are interested in that. With that being said, y'all, uh, Shannon, uh, take us out.